The show you love with even more local, local news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And a good Wednesday afternoon to you from the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you, your personal concierge for conversation as we take a look at the multitudinous, the plethora of issues affecting you and me fairly drastically right here in the Central Valley of California. Thanks so much for joining us today. Always enjoy our conversation here from 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Well, my friends, it is T-minus 48 days until Election Day. The midterms coming up on November 8, a mere 48 days for us to digest as much information as we can, take a look at these issues from every possible perspective, and then cast an intelligent and informed vote come November 8. And I know the mail-in ballots uh, come in earlier than that, but uh, we'll use November 8 as our target date anyway. Uh, 48 days, not long, really, in the grand scheme of things. And so it's uh, incumbent upon us here to do our best to give you as much information as possible. Now, yesterday we discussed uh, in some detail Proposition 1. Now, coming up tomorrow, we'll be talking about two propositions. Uh, They are for different purposes, but they are related. Of course, I'm talking about Proposition 26 and Proposition 27, uh, causing a lot of confusion, I found, amongst uh, folks. And I want to take the time to really deep dive into both of those, what they mean and the potential ramifications. By the way, speaking of that, and again, we'll, we'll do our deep dive into it tomorrow. Prop 27... Have you seen a lot of the commercials for it? I'm sure you have if you've been watching television at all. Well, apparently they're pulling those ads. They've spent, let's see, $169 million on television advertising related to legalizing on online sports gaming in California. And they are scaling back those ads Uh, Apparently, they're pulling uh, almost all of the TV advertising from California's major markets in the major areas. And uh, so they must be taking at at another, another avenue to try to get the word out. So we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Uh, You know, they brought one of the things, and I'll, I'll just put this out here now and start thinking about it for tomorrow. It promises to direct 85% of the money it generates through a 10% tax on gross online sports betting revenue to go to homeless services. And that's been one of the reasons that they've been saying, vote for this because it's going to benefit the homeless. Do you honestly believe that money coming from a gambling proposition is really going to help solve homeless services i um i doubt it but anyway tomorrow we can talk about it by the way the uh, public policy institute of california they've done a poll and to this point 
They found that only 34% of likely voters would support Prop 27, while 54% would oppose it. So it, uh, d- despite that $169 million of television advertising, apparently people are saying, no, nah, not, not convinced. So we will uh, go into that uh, with some detail tomorrow. And as uh, I'm sure you are aware by this point, uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James, remember her campaigning saying that she was going to bring Trump down? And that was uh, that was basically one of her basic campaign promises to be the Attorney General of uh, New York. So uh, she is now, as you I'm sure have heard, filing suit against Donald Trump and the Trump Organization uh, because she says that between 2011 and 2021, they created more than 200 false and misleading valuations of assets on the annual statements of financial condition to defraud financial institutions. And then she wants to permanently bar uh, Donald Trump and uh, his children and his organization from serving as an officer or director of a business registered in New York State. And uh, there's she's seeking $250 million judgment. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on today. What, what's significant to me is uh, this is a, a civil suit. It follows up on her campaign promises. And you don't have to think very far, I don't think, in order to find the holes in this. Because, have you ever taken out a loan? I'm sure most of you have. Does the bank just automatically hand you the money? Does the bank say, well, we accept your valuation and and here it is? I've never experienced that every time that we've applied for a loan. We've had to go through, we've had to sweat it out. If, if it involves property, we've had to have assessments, and then they argue about the assessments. And, I'm, and we're piddly little people. We are little gnats on the windshield of mortgages and such. Well, you're talking about Donald Trump. Can you imagine the big banks saying, oh, yeah, we'll lend you a couple of million dollars without checking out your valuations. I don't buy it. Uh, I just don't buy it. Now, if she can prove it, again, it's a civil suit, not a criminal suit. Well, let's see. Let's see what she actually has. Uh, But the the fact that there are no criminal charges and she's kind of passing that off to uh, the federal government, uh, I, I think you're going to, this is, I'm not a prophet, but I think you're going to see the federal government probably not respond to that unless they get pressured from, uh, the white house. We'll see how, uh, AG Garrett, uh, Merrick Garland and his, uh, attorneys, uh, respond to that. Now thinking about, uh, other things that are painful to think about as well. As I'm sure you heard today, the Fed has raised the uh, jumbo interest rate uh, three-quarters of a percent. Uh, CNBC did an interesting thing. Uh, CNBC saying, here are four things that will be more expensive. And uh, I'm going to ask you 
Do any of these four resonate with you? Will will any of these hurt you with this Fed rate uh, hike? Credit cards. Mm-hmm. Credit cards, uh, they're saying, could uh, reach an average uh, annual percentage rate uh, of 19%. All right, so what does that mean? Well, if you had a balance of $5,000, your annual percentage rate of 19%, you'd pay an additional uh, almost $1,200 in interest. Auto financing, you're looking at, can you afford to even... Even rental cars are out of whack. To uh, Not rental cars, used cars. I'm thinking of rental cars because many times we have bought used cars from rental companies. When I'm talking about used cars, the, to buy a used car, it's crazy today. And they're saying with today's increase, at uh, least CNBC is saying the interest rate could nudge up to 5.5%. 5.75%. So if you're looking at a $35,000 new car, not talking about an electric one, but a, a gas guzzler one, it's probably going to work out to about $31 additional per month for you. Mortgages. Uh, mortgages, uh, wow, they're, they're going to go up. Uh, rates have climbed uh, since early 2022. Uh, mortgage rates have climbed from 3% to over 6%. And then uh, other variable rate loans, uh, they're, they're going to be climbing. Uh, they're thinking uh, probably nudging up to around 8%. So what do you think? Any of that uh Worry you at all? Any of those four issues uh, affect you? Do you think you'll have a pain in the pocketbook there because of what the Fed is doing? Now, why is the Fed doing it? Well, it's because of the inflation that has resulted since uh, January of 2021. Well, given that, especially if you're looking at selling a home, you may say, well, Mike, I, I need some good advice, especially with the uh, interest rates going up. Well, I've got a solution for you. <laughs> with those rate increases that are impacting home sales, there's one agent I trust with. I trust him with selling my own home. His name is Dan Phipps. Now, look, you want to move closer to work, but maybe you think you can't afford it. Well, listen, call Dan Phipps. He's, uh, he's the guy that has a proprietary marketing system. It guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value. That's right, full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. His home selling program designed to maximize your sales price. And I love the terms. You're in complete control. No required costly repairs. No long-term contracts. You can pick your move date, and Dan can even find you a new home before you move. And that a great deal. Well, Kyle and Tammy in Oakdale, they know about the deal. They had a long commute. They were tired. And there was no way they could sell their home for enough to afford a decent place closer to their work. So they were hoping for a miracle. They said they called Dan Phipps, and they said Dan delivered. They said their home sold for a price beyond their expectations, and, and now they have the cash to buy a home closer to work. They say, thank you, Dan Phipps. Well, thank you, Dan Phipps. Call him. 
Call Dan Phipps. Dan's the man I recommend. I would hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S.com. So, you think you're going to feel the pain in your pocketbook shortly? Our number here, 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the Voice of the Valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here serving as your concierge for conversation here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, it is our privilege to keep this live and local to make sure that your voice is heard on the many issues that affect us here in California's Central Valley. And that is, uh, that's important to me. That's one of the reasons I show up is your voices are so important as we're able to look at issues and uh, sometimes agree to uh, disagree, but uh, we're able to talk them through without being disagreeable about it. We can talk these things through and still be friends and uh, learn from each other, perhaps, in the process. Uh, Passion is fine, but uh, that issue of respect always is is something that I I appreciate from you. So, uh, again, the Fed raising interest rates uh, three-quarters of a percent. There was uh, a lot of school of thought that they might actually raise it a full percentage point I think that will become a moot point, no pun intended. I, th- I think uh, a couple more of these are, are coming, uh, possibly before the end of the year. Uh, we'll see. When, so are you feeling the pain, those of you who are in business for yourselves? Uh, those I know some of you uh, are you're farmers, you're ranchers. Others of you are independent contractors. Is this, this hurting you? I'm I'm thinking it uh, it may, and I, I will tell you now in my nonprofit world, with what we do at Advancing Vibrant Communities, we don't take out loans. We don't do that. What we do is we rely upon individuals and uh, the congregations that we partner with and, and a few local foundations to fund us throughout the year. That's that's where our income comes from. We don't take government money. Well, why not, Mike? Why don't you apply for some of those government grants? Well, we partner with government, but we don't take government money because there are always strings attached. And we want uh, the volunteers who work with us to feel free to interact with the people they serve without any constraints. And you can't do that with government grants. And so it, it seems risky, but uh, my opinion is we just trust God that uh, people will respond uh, to the need. And uh, for 20, going on 21 years now, folks have. And uh, so we, uh, we appreciate that so much. There's, um, there was an interesting interview that was done with uh, Charles Payne. You probably know of him, heard of him. He was uh, interviewed by Mark Levin Sunday night. He gave this very interesting summation of why we're in this condition we're in economically. These are not economic policies. We discuss them as economic policies. 
This, this, all this, this thought, this thought process, this movement, if you will, it goes back to the 1800s. Uh, you know, as as we had the Industrial Revolution and people came off the farms into cities, we started having disposable cash. Uh, in, in 1880, there was a, a book written by uh, one of the bigger progressive thinkers out there. Of course, we know uh, Marx and, and and those folks were out there as well. And it's always been about control. Who controls this money? Whoever controls this new money, this newfound wealth that was actually, you know, being distributed, people had disposable income. We could ride Ferris wheels for the first time. We could buy cotton candy for the first time. We were living in, 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 in sky rises. So it's always been about control. We talk about it as an economic policy. So none of them are economic experts, but they don't, they don't care about that. They have to wrap it in the veneer of economics and sell it to the public. But their goal is something different, and it's centered around the word justice. Always remember that if you think even in recent years, you've heard about racial justice, gender justice, and now a term they use all the time is environmental justice. This is a group that wants to redistribute wealth and fight the wrongs They're in their minds, the wrongs of yesteryear. And it has zero to do with economics. They don't care how much pain is levied because of this. And they are determined to make this work. And, and I got to admit, they have the momentum. And right now they have the upper hand. I think one of his points is very interesting, and that is the word justice. I'm all about justice, but I I come at that word from my worldview, from my theology, that there's only one ultimate justice, and that's God's justice, and we have to do the best we can to figure out how to, on a, a human imperfect level, administer justice imperfectly. We're not going to have perfect justice. It's, it's just impossible. And, and I think we, as we discuss that, as we think about that, we also need to think about the definition. What, what does justice really mean? Because I think for some people, justice means revenge. For others, justice means retribution. And justice should be blind. Justice should apply the same across the board. We're not seeing that today. And I think our neighborhoods, our communities are crying out for justice. And while that comes down to you and me loving our neighbors as ourselves. In fact, we're going to talk about that. A great opportunity, Advancing Vibrant Communities Medical Team, Volunteer Medical Team, is going to be serving this Saturday uh, in West Modesto. We're going to get some details on that very shortly from Reina Perales from the West Modesto Community Collaborative. She's coming up in five minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Wednesday afternoon. How did it get to be Wednesday? It seems Wednesdays come faster and faster the older I get. I don't know. Maybe do you sense that? I, I do. Not that I mind Wednesdays. It just seems like, wow, half. Half the, half the work week is, is gone, although my work week involves 
weekends as well. I really don't have a weekend, but that's okay. I, uh, I have a work ethic and I love what I do. And so that's not a complaint. It's just a, a reality. Anyway, welcome back to the Mike Douglas show here on power talk 1360 KFIV. And one of my joys that I love doing is our time together here, three to 5 PM Monday through Friday, where we get to talk about issues of the day. And many times my friends, those issues involve things that we wish were not so, things that need to be fixed, uh, things that annoy us at times, things that are deep challenges to us, and sometimes things that appall us. And so I, I attempt to also find the good things to talk about, where people are loving their neighbors as themselves in, in a real way, and, and as you know, I feel that loving your neighbor as yourself, serving others, always to make it count really involves some sort of sacrifice, that you give up something of yourself, of your time, of your treasure, of your expertise, of your skill, and you offer it to someone else with no strings attached. Well, something like that is going to happen this Saturday. In fact, uh, our Advancing Vibrant Communities volunteer medical team periodically uh, provides medical screenings for folks in our community uh, who don't normally receive crucial medical checkups. It's it really, it's a crucial process. And we've often identified serious issues in folks such as undiagnosed diabetes, which can be actually fatal uh, if not identified and dealt with, and, and other major health issues as well. So as uh, you may know, the Advancing Vibrant Communities volunteer medical team is headed up by the chairman of the board, Dr. Robert Chen. Uh, he's recently retired from over three, almost four decades of family practice here in the Modesto area. Very good at what he does. Well, this Saturday, the 24th, our medical team, a volunteer medical team, will be at the West Modesto Community Collaborative Center. That's at the King Kennedy Memorial Center. If you've been there, it's a great place to visit. They do great work there, uh, located uh, near the uh, corner of Martin Luther King and Vine Streets in West Modesto. And this is a partnership effort with the collaborative. It'll be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. this coming Saturday. So, to share about that and many more services that are going to be provided to the community coming up this Saturday morning. And we're pleased to welcome Reina Perales. She is the Senior Projects Director for the West Modesto Community Collaborative. Reina, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. And let's start this way. Would you give us an older overview of the services that are going to be provided this coming Saturday morning and uh, maybe talk about some of the organizations that are involved? Hi. So, yes, our health fair clinic um, will be taking place at our agency at 601 South Martin Luther King Drive from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, it's a clinic provided for all residents of Modesto. Um, here at the clinic, we will have blood pressure screening, diabetes screening, BMI checks, O2 saturation checks, um, consultations. We'll have a team of doctors and nurses. Um Provided will also be COVID-19 vaccines, flu shots, HIV and STD testing, and then free vaccines for all cats and dogs. 
I know in the past, uh, our, our reports uh, coming back have been people have been diagnosed with diabetes who haven't even known it. I mean, th- this can be a, a radical change and uh, a wonderful way to get connected with the healthcare people need. Uh, what type of feedback have, have you received in the past? I would imagine uh, for local residents, uh, this, this, this can be a major, major help in terms of their health care. Yeah, so this clinic, it's a great opportunity for our community and especially anyone who doesn't have health insurance. Um, But like you mentioned, a lot of people, they go in to get screened and they don't know that they even have diabetes. So this this is what this health fair is for. It's for um, to provide service to to provide services to the community um, who need it the most and who can benefit from it. I'm looking at the list of the various uh, organizations and agencies that are going to be there. I, I noticed the Chemo Crew is uh, scheduled to be there, and uh, that, that's a wonderful organization we've worked with for, for many, many years. Uh, the, 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 this is an incredible opportunity. Tell us a little bit about uh, some of the other organizations that will be in attendance. Yeah, so we have um, Walgreens coming. We have Golden Valley Health. Um, Stanislaus County Health um, Services Agency. We have the Shriners Children um, Northern California coming, as well as the Children and Family Services, um, the Modesto Area of Compassionate Friends, the Children and Family Services, the Stanislaus County Registrar of Voters, Kaiser will also be there, and then the Stanislaus County Health Services Agency. I think one of the uh, the added benefits is uh, the veterinary services that will be there. I, I know in our, our work with a lot of the uh, homeless population that pets are really important, but they often don't get the care they need. And this is a wonderful opportunity to get uh, vaccines and such for, for dogs and cats, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a great opportunity. Um, in our community, we, we continuously see strays. Um, and I know that a lot of people in that area as well, um, they have a lot of cats and dogs who could use the vaccines or probably are not up to date on their vaccine. So this service that will be provided on the day of the health fair will be um, really beneficial for um, our population. Again, we're speaking with Reina Perales. She's the Senior Projects Director for the West Modesto Community Collaborative. And uh, Raina, let's talk about the hours uh, that, that this event will be open and uh, the, the folks that normally come and attend. Yeah, so this event will be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, we will be serving free lunch the day of the event. Um, every, every community member will receive a ticket. That ticket will allow them to receive the free food. And um, the lunch will be served at 11 a.m. I would imagine, and and you are such an important part of the community there. And and by the way, friends, if you're not familiar with it, uh, the uh, King Kennedy Memorial Center, it's right there on uh, Martin Luther King uh, Boulevard and and Vine Street. Uh, Just an incredible resource to the community there. Uh, Raina, what type of feedback have you received from people in the past as as you've reached out like this? I would imagine this is uh, a pretty big opportunity for a lot of folks that may not have access to these services on a normal basis. Yeah, so our agency, we're a really trusted organization within our community, and we get a lot of positive feedback from our community. We get 
a lot of thank yous from our community, you know, helping, um, helping them out with resources, with um, um, their health, such as the vaccine clinics, the testing that we do, and then uh, along with this health care clinic. Um, so, you know, our, our community really does appreciate the work that our agency does. And we're just glad to be able to um, provide those resources and be able to give back to our community. And I want to make sure we ask, since medical services uh, and screenings uh, are going to be provided, uh, masks required inside the building? To keep everyone safe, especially our doctors and our nurses, we want to recommend that everyone wear a mask. Um, and we will be providing them the day of when they enter into the building if they need it. Great. Just want to make sure people uh, know what to expect uh, when they arrive. Again, this is coming up on Saturday, uh, the 24th of September, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Raina, how can people contact you uh, for more information about this event? Yeah, so for for, uh, more information, they can call our office number at 209-522-6902. Um, and they're also more than welcome to visit our website at westmodestocollaborative.com um, to learn more about our agency and then about the event. Well, Raina, thanks so much. Appreciate you carving out time for us and uh, look forward to this great event again coming up Saturday the 24th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., West Modesto Community Collaborative. Thanks for the job you do, and uh, we encourage you to keep on keeping on, Raina. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today, and thank you for allowing me to share this resource to the community. Our privilege. uh, Again, thanks to uh, Raina Perales. Thank you so much for joining us today. My friends, it, it brings up, and I'm not going to get preachy here, but uh, there was a, a, a great man of old by the name Isaiah who wrote this on behalf of the God he served. The kind of fasting I want is this. Remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Share your food with the hungry and open your homes to the homeless and poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and do not refuse to help your own relatives. Then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. Why do I bring that up? Because these types of things are happening all around us. We tend to only hear the bad stuff There are good things happening under the radar screen all the time, and we need to remember that. And uh, this opportunity that Advancing Vibrant Communities has to partner with the West Modesto Community Collaborative, this is one of those uh, times when this, I think, fulfills the overall concept of justice. It's part of justice. Well, let's explore that a little bit more in a couple of minutes. In fact, let let me leave you with this question to, to ponder. What do you feel justice means? How do you define, how do you define justice? I've got some thoughts for you, but I'd be interested in your thoughts as well. How do you define justice? What does it look like to you? Our number, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. We'll talk about your definitions and my definitions of justice. 
coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you. We've been talking about sacrificial serving and the real intent behind the real meaning of justice. What what does justice mean to you? As you look around our culture today, what do you see? Do you see justice or not? And if not, why? Why aren't you seeing justice? Well, that must come back to what your idea of justice is. Let's talk about that. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Let me, if you would, just suggest some thoughts from my perspective, my opinion here, about justice. And this is in no particular particular order, as I was uh, listening uh, to our, our interview as we were talking with uh, Raina Perales, a few things occurred to me. Justice, like the, the statue <laughs> that we have, the Lady Justice there with the blindfold, justice should be blind. As she stands there with the scales of justice evened out, justice should be blind. In other words, justice should apply to all the same way, regardless of who they are, where they came from, what they believe, uh, what culture they are, the color of their skin, doesn't matter. If they're vertical and taking nourishment and have a pulse, then justice to them should be blind. It should apply to them even-handedly. Justice should be, in my opinion, even-handed. I think justice also should be consistent. Do you see justice consistently applied today as we look at headlines, especially on, on the federal level? And, and well, let's, let's look at some of the issues involving some of our local district attorneys. Have we seen justice equally meted out in terms of sentencing and basically in terms of prosecution in Los Angeles and San Francisco and elsewhere, New York City? Have we seen even-handed justice handed out? Is justice consistent? I think it should be consistent. Not there, There's a problem in uh, the administration of justice that is called selective enforcement. There should never, ever, ever be selective enforcement. Now, that can go a couple of ways. Selective enforcement can mean I know someone on my side or a friend of mine broke the law, but I'm not going to charge them or prosecute them because they're on my side or they're a friend of mine. Now, the opposite of that is you are not a friend of mine. You're not on my side, so I'm going to throw the book at you. And, and it should not be, justice should not be meted out, in my opinion, from an emotional perspective. 
that gets us into trouble. Emotions certainly play into it, but when we make good decisions, it involves looking at the pure facts as best as we can ascertain them. What are the facts? And then what is our analysis of those facts? What do we believe about those facts? What are the conclusions that we've drawn from those facts? And then in decision-making, generally, emotions are important because they need to figure in. They need to figure in. But we need to start with facts, and then what is our analysis of the facts? What conclusions, what beliefs do we draw from analyzing those facts? Do you see a lot of that happening today? I think justice, in addition to being consistent should be apolitical, meaning justice should be not be political. Justice should not be a hammer with which we can whack and hurt someone we don't like or who is of an opposing political party or an opposing persuasion, whatever it might be. So how do you, how do you reach even-handed justice where it's not used as a, well, you have to have a rule of law. All right, what do we base that rule of law upon? What if in the United States of America we used Sharia law? Is that going to work? No, no, no. It worked, but not well. So what kind of, what kind of basis should we use? Well, The U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence were all based upon Judeo-Christian ethics. And I know there are a lot of folks who would like to see those go away. We take those away, everything falls. Our justice system falls in the United States of America if we take away the foundations of the Judeo-Christian ethic. You, You must have that. Why? Because the principles of being even-handed, of being consistent, of not abusing power, those are all based on Judeo-Christian ethics. And we, we see people today, and it is very easy, I think, to tell where people are in their worldview by the way they act and by the way they administer justice and by the way they talk about justice. And then another point is justice should involve tough love. Justice should be compassionate, but not codependent. (laughs) In other words, justice should not help and facilitate very dysfunctional and sometimes sick people, it justice should not help them stay dysfunctional and sick. The justice system should provide opportunities to heal from that. And so, yes, it should be compassionate, but not enabling. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I think you do. And so much in, in today's culture leans towards being partisan and either compassionate or 
discompassionate, uncompassionate, depending on identity politics. In other words, if, if you are of the political party I am, then you'll receive compassion. If you are not of the political party that I am, then I'll throw the book at you. If, uh, if you don't believe what I believe, then we'll prosecute you to the nth degree if your narrative doesn't fit. On the other hand, if it does fit, then we'll allow you to, uh, to tear down buildings, to raid businesses, to destroy businesses, to burn down police departments. What's your idea of justice? We'll continue the conversation here in five minutes after news, weather, and traffic right here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I'll be back in five minutes. The show you love. Talking about the issues that are important to you. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Hour number two here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've been talking a lot about justice and the definition of justice. And we were discussing that in the context of uh, sacrificial serving, of, of serving the needs of our community, of uh, the biblical principle of loving your neighbor as yourself. We talked about our Advancing Vibrant Communities medical team, volunteer medical team, being out at the uh, uh, West Modesto Community Collaborative King Kennedy Center this Saturday. And I wanted to do uh, one or two footnotes on that. Uh, number one, you you heard in the interview when we were talking with uh, Raina Perales there that there will be a, a volunteer veterinarian. And you may say, well, Mike, why are you guys sending a volunteer veterinarian? Well, it's because a lot of folks that many that are homeless and and others in uh, in communities that are very impoverished pets are very very important sometimes it's a matter of protection a lot of times it's a matter of companionship pets are very very important and they can be stolen they can run away and so what the vet does the volunteer veterinarian does is first of all he brings his team and and they they take a look at the dog or the cat mostly dogs cats have a whole different thing but you know let me get back to the dogs the the dogs uh, they examine them they they see if uh, they have any um, like worm problems that sort of thing if they need shots uh, that are common they'll provide that but the big thing is they're willing to chip the dogs and so they, they will actually fill out the paperwork and they'll insert a chip in the dog so that if that dog is stolen or it runs away, et cetera, it can, it can be found. And, and to me, that's, uh, that's part of uh, something that we call justice, that, that's taking what we have and offering it sacrificially to folks who can't afford it and helping them out. And it's not that we're being codependent in that way, but it is a way to help them out. And, and many of these uh, folks that are, uh, when they're looking at uh, treating the, the humans involved, they will uh, find issues and, and refer them to a local clinic. 
uh, for follow-up care. That happens uh, happens quite a bit. So uh, we've been talking about justice in the context of sacrificial serving in terms of serving the needs of our, our neighbors and uh, the community as well. As we look at what's happening around the world, in our own country, down at the border. And again, for tomorrow, we're going to take a look at what President uh, 43, George W. Bush, uh, proposed back in in, uh, 2007 that never saw the light of day, really. And uh, another proposal that has been recently made, and and we're going to uh, put them side side by side, and see if uh, how they match up and what we think would be good to do. So we'll take a look at the summary of H.R. 1177 uh, that was introduced in the uh, 2021-2022 session of Congress. And we'll also take a look back at that, uh, that proposal by George W. Bush back in 2007. We'll see if there are things that we think we ought to implement, and if so... How come Congress isn't implementing them, and how come the White House isn't pushing them as well? All right, so that's for tomorrow. However, dealing with the border today, just a a reminder of the statistics. Arrivals at the southern border, the U.S.-Mexico border, are at an all-time high. I'm sure you know that. Uh, The data being reported now by U.S. Customs and Border Protection Uh, This past Monday shows there have been 2.1 million immigrant arrivals at the southern border in just fiscal year 2022. And they're coming from Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, and we still have a month to go. And uh, Border Patrol says that a lot of people are trying to enter the country multiple times. And sometimes that contributes to the uh, to the numbers. These are not just individuals crossing once, but people that are coming back. Last month alone, in August, 203,500 uh, arrivals. 203,500. And then, here, here's an interesting thought. Let's see if this fits into your idea of what justice is. Mayor Eric Adams in New York City has said he's considering housing waves of illegal immigrants on cruise ships. Now, what do you think about that? Is is that justice to the cruise ship lines? Is that justice to the people illegally coming across the border? Is is that justice? To New York City? What do you think? Do you think that's a good idea? Now, I might say if the cruise line says, okay, yeah, we're we're more than willing to do that. We will convert our cruise ship to a migrant or even a homeless center for a long period of time. Well, that's their decision. But I'm not sure that the cruise ships are enthused about this. I don't know. What do you think about that proposal? Mayor Eric Adams saying, well, let's put these migrants on cruise ships. Now, here's another issue of 
justice. <laughs> this boggles my mind. A group of uh, people coming over the border illegally are now in California, and they were flown uh, in from Texas. But they don't know why. They don't know why. So the L.A. Times is reporting that these men from Venezuela crossed the border. They wanted to go to New York or Florida or Utah because they had some kind of connection in those states. Well, they wound up in California, and apparently they walked 20 miles to an address that had been given to them by ICE, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Well, so they walked 20 miles to that address, found out it was a closed office building. Now, apparently an advocacy group called NorCal Resist helped get them some shelter. And they think maybe an organization, either Catholic Charities or uh, some such organization, may have been in that building, or they thought they operated in that building. But what is happening? This is, to, to me, there are so many points of injustice the way we handle the policies at the border right now. I don't think it's just to let people know it's okay to break the law. I don't think it's just to citizens or residents, legal residents of the United States of America to allow people to cross the border in an unlawful way. I am all from, I am all for immigration legally. In fact, I think it was Jorge who called us yesterday. He and his family came here legally. He went through, if I remember correctly, a, a year-long process, a 12-month process of, of becoming a citizen of the United States legally. And that's, uh, that's, what's, uh, that's what's important. By the way, not that I would ever doubt the L.A. Times, but do you think these eight, Immigrants really walk 20 miles? I, I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's what they're, uh, that's what they're uh, reporting. So I'm, I'm thinking that, uh, that we, need to take a, we need to take a strong look at all of this in terms of what's just at the border and make our voices known on November 8, a mere 48 days away. What do you think? 209-551-3483. Your ideas of justice, do you think our policies, our current policies at the border are just? Do they equate to your definition of justice? 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on this 
Wednesday afternoon in California's Central Valley, talking about issues of justice and policies at the border. What do you think? Are our policies at the border, are they are they just to all involved? 209-551-3483, our number. Let's hear from Mike in Modesto. Mike, what are your thoughts? Hello, Mike. Hello. Um, uh, I think, you know, regardless of politics, there's so many people involved in this that they are not being treated in a humane manner. They can't. It's just too overwhelming. Even as blessed as we are as a nation, it's just too overwhelming. And many of our responsibilities as a uh, legal responsibilities are not being met by the sheer volume. I'm not against immigration, but uh, I just don't think the way they're handling is correct. And many of them people come in here who even maybe they have relatives here, you know, they've heard a lot better information than what they may be receiving right now. Mike, that's, that's an interesting. You know, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. They're just overwhelming by the numbers. I think that's an interesting point is when you have such uh, masses of people, uh, overwhelming numbers, as you say, it's very hard to uh, manage them with any type of uh, logical, strategic uh, application of of the law. It, it, and, and I think you have a good point. It's just overwhelming. So let's take that uh, just a, a thought further. What do you think would be a good, and we'll discuss this in detail tomorrow vis-a-vis uh, George W. Bush's suggestion back in 2007, and then uh, H.R. Uh, 1171, I believe, uh, that that's uh, still before Congress. But before we get to that, Mike, what would be your thoughts on the first the first step towards having a good, just, and effective border policy? Well, maybe implementing laws that are already on the books. Um, I don't know if this is true or not. A friend of mine just mentioned this today. He said that um, many of the judges that decide what to do with each individual person have been fired. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what That was another person's opinion. But just, just things like that. You know, if we're, we're supposed to get embedded and do this, and we don't have the manpower to do it. And, uh, you know, this is an opinion, but instead of, IRS agents, they could have spent that money on all kinds of uh, infrastructure or people, I should say, to handle the, the numbers of, of uh, illegal immigrants that are coming in to process them. This would have been a better place to... Yeah, very good. That that's that's very consistent with your thesis there. Uh, Mike's saying, look, the numbers are so overwhelming, it's virtually impossible uh, to uh, to have a just system right now on the border, just too many people. The the numbers are make make things out of control, and uh, and then Mike brought up the fact that well, how about instead of having eighty seven thousand armed IRS agents, new eighty new agents, not these are additional, not a total of eighty seven thousand, but instead of having paying for 87,000 new IRS agents that are armed, 
How about we increase the numbers of uh, border patrol people or uh, or the or the folks that process? I mean, this makes sense to me. I don't know why it doesn't make sense to the folks in Washington, D.C. Good points, Mike. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, we have to begin somewhere. And I, I've used the illustration in the past when I was a police officer working traffic and I had a very difficult intersection to deal with. And when, when things started to get out of control, when uh, cars were, you know, slowing down but not stopping, when there was uh, too many cars in one direction, when it just got too chaotic and out of control, I learned very quickly the way to deal with big numbers and control them is to stop everything, stop everyone, call a halt to what's going on, quickly and efficiently assess the situation, and then begin to get the flow going again one intersection at a, or, or one side of the intersection at a time. That way you gather control again. You cannot, when things are wheeling out of control, try to enforce a policy. It's not going to work. And I think Mike made a great point here. What we have to do is, in order to manage the border, we have to, I believe, the first step is to close it, and it needs to be done in advance, not just close it and then figure it out. Get a strategy together and then close the border and then begin to implement the strategy. You, it won't be just. It, it won't be a justice is blind. It won't be an equal application of the law if you have people streaming over the border and you uh, try to implement policies and some are going to sneak through, some are uh, or, or not. It's like one time, just speaking of George Bush, it's a couple of years ago, many years ago, when he was uh, uh, campaigning for uh, for president, he uh, appeared at an auditorium in Stockton and, uh, I got a, it wasn't a ticket to let you in. It was a ticket that said you can stand in line to try to get in. And I wanted to hear George W. Bush in person. It was a extremely hot day. I stood in line for two and a half hours, two and a half hours. Finally, I reach, uh, the door. I'm, I'm within 10 feet of the door and they're letting people in. And I'm thinking, wow, I've been out here all this time. And this poor woman with her small child was behind me. The kid was sweating. He was tired. She was tired. And I, I took compassion upon them. And I said, look, do you want to go ahead of me? She said, Oh, thank you, sir. So she went ahead of me. And immediately after she and her kid went in, the Secret Service closed the door and said to me, sorry, that's all we can take. I I was, it was hot and I started to get hotter. I was, I didn't say anything because the Secret Service is a Secret Service. But the point is, there were a whole bunch of people behind me. And a lot of disgruntled people. I was disgruntled. I had waited in line two and a half hours. I had shown compassion to the lady and her her kid behind me. I let them in in front of me, and I was rewarded by, sorry, buddy, you can't come in because, because we've reached our limit. 
So it's just it, it, it's just an illustration of the fact that when you have too many numbers, you have chaos. You cannot implement an effective policy with those kinds of numbers, with that kind of mob coming over the border. My sense is you've got to close the border first with your plan in hand and then begin implementing it. What do you think? 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas Show continues in five minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. And the conversation today, uh, talking a lot about serving, uh, issues of justice and and or injustice. We've talked about the border policy. Do you feel that our border policy currently is just or is it unjust to the people involved, to the people already here in the United States, to those coming from, for example, Venezuela or wherever they may be coming from? Is it is it fair? Is it just to them to say to them, you're welcome to cross the border and break the law? Is, is that just? Yeah, I, did, I don't think our policy is just all the way around. And uh, so, again, uh, tomorrow we'll look at what George W. Bush had proposed back in two, uh, 2007 while he was president, and we'll also look at uh, a current proposal that is before uh, Congress as well, H.R., I believe the number is 1171. And uh, there's there's some crossover there, but I don't want to do this too quickly. I want to make sure that we have time to really analyze it and look at it uh, in detail in a very intelligent way. So we're going to do that uh, tomorrow. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. We're also going to be taking on uh, the uh, <laughs> the issue of, as and I've promised you, we're going to take a look at the propositions coming up in 48 days on November 8. And we covered Prop 1 yesterday. Uh, tomorrow, time permitting, we're also going to look at uh, Prop 26 and Proposition 27. A lot of confusion about those two because they both deal with gambling but each one of them has a different approach. Each one of them benefits different uh, parties involved. And I, now I, when I approach this tomorrow, and I'll, I'll restate this tomorrow, I am not a gambler. So I, I come in with no dog in that fight, uh, so to speak. So anyway, that'll be on the agenda uh, for tomorrow. Hopefully you can uh, join us uh, for that. By the way, talking about the uh, our volunteer medical team from Advancing Vibrant Communities, they'll be at the King Kennedy uh, Memorial Center for the West Modesto uh, Community Collaborative on Saturday. We were talking about uh, the volunteer medical team and even our volunteer veterinarian and what they do there. Advancing Vibrant Communities, again, we depend on people like you who have a heart to serve others. Uh, to uh, not only provide those services as you can, but uh, also uh, to help us with the finances as well. We don't take government money. Uh, 
If you'd like to find out more about advancing vibrant communities, either uh, supporting or volunteering, our number, uh, again, this is not for the radio show. This is for Advancing Vibrant Communities, 209-544-9571, That's ABC's Advancing Vibrant Communities office. And then any day, 24 hours a day, if you look at the website, vibrantcommunities.org, vibrantcommunities.org, Uh, There are usually somewhere between 200 to 400 opportunities to serve. We basically keep each one up, you know, probably about three months. And uh, you'll you'll see a variety of different things from sometimes cribs for single moms and dads working two or three jobs, can't afford a crib for their baby. Sometimes that's the issue. So anyway, if you're curious about that, again, the website vibrantcommunities.org. A footnote from yesterday, and I I did this very quickly right at the end of the show, uh, and I I want to uh, make a couple of comments about it now that we have a little bit of time. This uh, issue of human composting. Governor Newsom just signed a bill. The original bill number was AB351. It was brought forward by Christina Garcia and Robert Rivas, uh, both of the California Assembly. And it has to do with human composting. Uh, or, here, here's the official name, natural organic reduction. <laughs> natural organic reduction. And that's not a diet plan. That, that's No, that's something different, not that kind of reduction. Human composting, and this is written by, uh, it was an article, an op-ed piece uh, by Emilia Gallegos. She's a funeral director and naturalist, the head of, head of family operations with Earth Funeral, a soil transformation provider. So here's, here's how this works very quickly. Human composting, or natural organic reduction, is a regenerative, sustainable alternative to traditional burial or cremation that gently transforms the body into a cubic yard of nutrient-rich soil. Well, how do they do that, Mike? Well, according to uh, Amelia here, what they do is they place the body presumably the dead body, in a steel vessel on a bed of wood chips or other biodegradable materials, and they allow it to the body to naturally decompose. Once the decomposition process has fully converted the body into soil, and that takes about 30 days, the soil is then returned to the family. And it's not cremation, it's natural organic reduction, NOR, N-O-R. So from there, then the families decide what they can do with their loved one who is now part of natural organic reduction. From there, she says, the families can decide to scatter or plant with the soil So I guess you can technically really push up daisies uh, when you're dead in this case. Or to donate 
the soil, the loved one who's now soiled to be used for land conservation and restoration. Now, what about the cost? Well, it goes from about $5,500 to uh, $7,000. She's saying uh, this process is cheaper than a traditional burial in California. Cost, that costs an average of $7,225. I do lots of funerals. I've done somewhere between 900 to 1,000 over the past 27 years. I understand the cost of burials. Uh, buried my parents, buried my in-laws as well. Fully understand the costs. So she's saying that's eh, cheaper to go through natural organic reduction and it supports the environment. I have some questions. About, do you have any questions about this? What do you think about this? Do you, do you think there's any ethical issue here, or do you think it's a good idea? 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. I have a question regarding what to do with the soil that's made from a dead person. Uh, now, I know uh, from experience, when you sell a house, and our buddy Dan Phipps would know this, that's why you go to experts like Dan. But I, I know from experience in the past, when you sell a house, one of the things you have to reveal is whether or not anyone died in that house. For example, my father-in-law died in, at home, in his home. And so did my mother-in-law. And so when that house was sold, when we sold it, we had to reveal that because the buyer has the right to know if someone died in the house. So I'm wondering if there's a legal issue here where you have to reveal when you sell your property that in the backyard there is this wonderful birch tree if you need to re, need to say that that birch tree contains nutrients from my dead relative, I'm wondering if that's an issue. I have made it clear, just my personal thing, to my wife, and she's made it clear to me, and we're making it clear to our children, I do not want to be composted. No. Don't, and I have some reasons for that, but, and, and to me, I'll give you the reasons here in a second. Do, 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 do you, do you like, are you okay with it? I had someone email, I had a listener uh, email me uh, last night and says, I, I don't have a problem with that. Kind of like uh, spreading ashes at sea. I, I don't really have a problem with that either. In fact, I've done several I've done several burials at sea, scattering of the ashes at sea. For some reason, that doesn't bother me. But, but composting the body and making it into soil. Now, if, if we composted the body and it was put in an urn, I guess it's fine. Somehow, if it's not revealed, I'm just not comfortable with planting Uncle Fred in the backyard and not telling anybody about it. So maybe there's a law that, that deals with that. I, and maybe that's just me. 
I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying I'm not comfortable and I I don't want it done to me. What do you think? 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Where else can you discuss these issues live, my friends? Well, we'll continue the discussion in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We're talking about human composting. That's right. Uh, After you die, you can go through natural organic reduction and be turned into nutrient-rich soil. Again, this reminds me of the movie Soylent Green. Uh, back in 1972 or 73 with Charlton Heston. Uh, but anyway, I just, I'm not saying other people can't do it. I just not, not sure I, I want that done to me. Uh, anyway, we're, we're discussing it. What do you think about it? Do you think it's a good idea, bad idea? What's your reaction to, to human comp decomposting? I guess human composting as you decompose. 209-551-3483, our number. Let's go and find out what Mike from Manteca has to think about it. Hi, Mike. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, my initial thought is it seems uh, morbid. <laughs> and, and and my question would be, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem too clean. How long would they have to leave a body in the ground so it would decompose, so it wouldn't be rotting and smelling and and ending up giving you this pile of soil back. Uh, another thing that came to mind is, so what, what do you do with the bones? They take some time to decompose. I, I also heard that the your away in the ground, so there must be some kind of skeletal remains. So I, I, I just was thinking of a whole lot of different things, but... It, it, it never ceases to amaze me what people will do. I had a friend whose wife, father passed away. Uh, they, the body was cremated, and then she created a tattoo on her ankle, and then from the ashes, that was mixed in with the ink for the tattoo so that she was wearing a piece of her father with her uh, for the rest of her life. So wow. I, I thought that was a bit morbid as well so i I guess to each his own you know uh uh being catholic i also wondered you know what the catholic church would think about something like that as well those were just questions that came to mind for me yeah that that's that's very interesting and and you bring up some some good points mike and and i i can i believe answer a, a few of those uh and and thank you for bringing them up uh, Mike mentioned the bones. Well, what they do before the, or, or in addition to the composting process, by the way, they, they just don't take the body and, and put it in the ground to decompose. Uh, it, it's in a container and in the container, uh, they have, it's a steel vessel, uh, and it's, uh, the body is put on a bed of wood chips and other biogra- uh, biodegradable materials. So the body naturally decomposes. 
and it takes about 30 days for that to happen. And apparently, uh, as they do with cremations and such, there is a technical way they remove the the bones. So what you're getting uh, with that uh, human composting or natural organic reduction process is you don't get any bones with it, but it, it's all completed in about 30 days. And so then they open up that metal container, and then they take the uh, the soil, which is contains the uh, dead person, and they return it to the family, just like in in the case of a uh, uh, of well. I'm getting really technical here, but anyway, I just got a message here. Where are my bones? <laughs> well, that's, I don't know. I'm sure what they do with the bones. Uh, but anyway, it is just, just to say, and, and, uh, I appreciate Mike bringing up those points just to say the, the, I, and, and maybe it's, maybe it's just, I'm not, fond of, of just taking dirt and planting it because your loved one is in the dirt. And I, I don't know. I don't know that I could do that. Uh, for some reason, to me, it seems somewhat disrespectful. Uh, and and I, maybe it's my, maybe it's my theological bent. Um, cremation is one thing. Put in an urn, and by the way, I know a lot of people tend to spread it at home or whatever. Technically, you can't do that. You have to have a permit if you're going to take the stuff out of the urn. Well, that's enough of that for today. We're going to move on to other issues tomorrow. We'll be talking about the border, border policies. We'll be talking about Prop 26 and 27. And I will be back with you from 3 to 5 p.m. here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thanks so much for joining us today and have a wonderful evening.